Hello and welcome to the Stagey Place podcast with me, your guest host for this week, Joseph Martin. Stagey Place is a podcast where we chat to people from the theatre industry from all different areas and find out about them and their work. This week, you'll hear my interview with director Jason Moore, who's also the co-founder of theatre company On Book Theatre. They're bringing their production of The Elephant Song, the UK premiere of this production, to the Park Theatre. So without further ado, here is Jason. Jason Moore, welcome to the Stagey Place. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm good. I'm good, and thank you for inviting me to come and speak with you. It's it's really. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> we're, we're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much, Jason. Would you mind describing yourself for the listeners at home, please? Yes, I suppose describing myself. I am. Um, I'm a bearded man uh, with a bald head. 51 years of age. I'm five foot seven. So physically, that's what I look like. I am a 27 year old white man with um, short brown hair, about six foot tall, and I'm wearing a green Christmassy wintry jumper with the word joy etched on oh. the, sewn onto the front so I, I echo the joyful feels that's very much what I'm going Perfect. for we are here of course to talk about uh, on book theatre's production of the elephant song uh, which is having its UK premiere performances at the the park theatre from the 18th of January up to the 11th of Feb post-show Q&A on January the 24th and a captioned accessible performance on Friday the 3rd of February. How are preparations going, Jason? Preparations are going good. We uh, have started rehearsals, which is always exciting. We've had our wonderful read-through, which is is always great to have a read-through so you can actually start hear it because obviously my partner Ian and I have been reading it and obviously casting it and in our heads and in my head for quite a while so it's really lovely to actually hear the actors speak within that even in a reading relationships begin to develop it's really nice that that we're beginning to look at at the relationships between the characters within the play understand that time is quite an important part of the play now i'm going to be start bringing timing because every every character has got a sort of time limit that something's going to happen so that's been interesting so yeah these have been our preparations so far and it's been really good Excellent. I like the sort of, so as an actor and creative myself, I find that having, having those first couple of read-throughs, those table reads and, and starting to explore the piece as, as a cast, as a, a creative team is obviously, of course, so informative. And it, do you find as a, as a director that it can change your, perhaps your initial interpretations of a script when you've just read it in your head how how much can you find do you find that um, new changes happen well a bit of both I think from a read to getting up on your feet to putting it into a theatre you know it's constantly developing because obviously when I've been reading it it's been my voice and obviously now mm. hearing actors with their own interpretation it does give its challenges uh, changes sorry and I think those are natural and good and I think that's the way you know to to develop with the actors so so yes of course I have an idea that also will develop with the actors so so that we then create the play together I'm very much about believing in collaboration and give us an overview of the elephant song it's interesting because it's little little various genres so you could look at it and say there's oh this is this bit of a psychological thriller within Mm. which there is there's very much as i said time has come into it a lot so there's a there's play in the time as we are right now there's a there's a goal to get at the end so the basic premise is is that a a psychiatrist has gone dr greenberg who is the, the mental health institute has come to find 
find out where the, the psychiatrist could, could, could be. And the last person to see the psychiatrist was a, was a patient, very interesting patient, a very a patient who likes to play mind games. So you've got mm. that mind game going on. And then you've got this wanker character, uh, Miss Peterson, who is the nurse who really knows Michael, trying to come in and say, you know, you've got to be careful with him. So it's it's a real mind game, interesting play, and you don't know where it's going to go. And it's really very interesting how we live to each other as human beings. So it's, it's so it's got that that psychological thriller about it. It has that very much still play, as in there's time, there's time for things to land for the audience to get. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, it's funny, and it's dramatic as well. Sounds fantastic. Given given how interesting it sounds, perhaps we've answered this question. How did you first come across the play, and what what was it that made you want to bring it to the UK after after it, it premiered in Canada? So my partner Ian, he knew the films and and loved it, and was very curious if, if there was a play. So I saw the films, like gosh, yes, this this is a play. This is really interesting because on stage, the, the the power of of these relationships, these three people, would be just quite dynamic. I did a lot of searching, actually. It wasn't that easy to find. Uh, <laughs> there was a text, a text, and it had been a play first. So we did a lot of searching, and then eventually we got to the playwright and had discussions with further discussions with him. And I suppose here we are now. For me, it was I'm very interested in small casts that have a story to tell and how do those small casts, or should I say fewer characters, talk about that and how can an audience can hear it more with a with mm. a it's less people, less people on stage. It's a, an intense story. And so we get to know these characters a lot more. And that really interests me because you can delve into them a lot. And when it, you mentioned earlier that it, you know, it, there's, it's funny, there's elements of comedy. It's also this kind of psychological thriller. I think mm-hmm. quite often with sort of more quote unquote serious plays like this, if you like, uh, people are often scared or reluctant to lean into some of the comedic mm-hmm. aspects that might be in there. How has that felt to approach it? Do you feel like the comedy comes very naturally out of the script or is that something that comes up in the rehearsal process? How does that feel for you as a director to sort of be like, here's this quite serious subject matter, but actually you can laugh? Uh, Yeah, I think it's quite interesting that the the way Nicolas Milan has written it is written uh, sort of Michael, the the young patient. He's very ironic. He's Mm. very plain speaking and playing mind games. Yes, he's playing puzzles, but actually those puzzles, you think, oh my gosh, that's right. He's actually speaking, making sense. So there's, there's the element of, of, of comedy, yes. There is that element of that sometimes. So it's very plain in its speaking. It, I think it's its uncurrent, its subtext, which is way heavier than the text itself. We'll see how that comes in rehearsals, but <laughs> I think its subtext is that is the weightier, which is again very Pinterest way, but I wouldn't suggest it's it's Pinteresque, but without being frightened of it, because there is the fabulous flippancy of Michael's dialogue. Mm. On top. So we've obviously we've mentioned that it's it's being produced by On Book Theatre, and On Book Theatre is yeah. your company. You founded that alongside your partner in in Nicholas. How did On Book Theatre begin with the two of you? How far back are we talking? You know, what kind of productions do you bring to the stage as On Book Theatre? Well, it was, see, we're not that old, really. I mean, Ian and I are our partners, and we we met and we were discussing theatre productions he'd done some little bit of producing in in america Mm. and i had been directing here for for a long time i just thought i got to the point where i would like to do more of what i want to do um (laughs) and he was interested in 
what he wanted to do and we actually understood that we liked the same kind of genre of plays or the kind of stories of plays so we said well let's do it ourselves let's just do it and so we did and actually our first production was this time last year and yeah that's what we 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 decided to do this and we just hit the ground running and it have you know really been lucky with the venues lucky with the actors lucky with the pieces that we've chosen and I suppose the, the, to answer what kind of work we've very much about human stories very much about action reaction into situations so for mm. example the the one plays we've produced is God of Carnage and that's you know if you know that play it's it's a it's it's a four-hander and it's you've got two sets of parents coming together to sort out you know their children have misbehaved and they just mm -hmm. want to amicably sort it out and eventually they end up behaving so appallingly, <laughs> way worse than the children. It's just wonderful to look how vile these people were towards the end of the play. But actually, that's kind of human. And mm. we got quite deep into it. And at one point, I thought, oh, my gosh, it's not funny anymore. But we needed to go <laughs> dark to come up again and, yes. and we really did and it was very interesting then another play we produced by joe penhall which is landscape with weapon which i saw at the national in 2007 okay and from that moment it's like i have to do this play and did it this year again a great play four people four characters a character called ned played originally by tom hollander Mm -hmm. who is an amazing genius and creates the perfect drone that can work with that GPS. And his brother, who's just a dentist, is like, what the hell are you, what the hell's <laughs> going on here? And the greatness about that play is that Joe wrote the dentist brother as us, questioning. And then you have the MOD people and the agency people wanted to sell and trying Ned to push to sign the contract. And he has this moral dilemma because of his brother. And all of that, so this fascination of microscopic looking at us as humans, not mm. them as characters, so that we were interested in. It's where I like to dig deep in. That's sort of where we are and where I like to work, really. So I am also a, a co-founder of a, a theatre company with my partner and mm. we work together and, and create shows and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm actually quite excited to, <laughs> to ask you a question that I get asked quite often, which is, what is it like to work alongside your partner and do you separate work and outside of work and you know or, or are you at that constant state where sometimes everything is a little bit work and it's a little bit life and what what's yeah. that experience like a little bit of both because after we do elephant song we go straight into rehearsals for california suite so we're, we're preparing that at the same time wow. it is sometimes all all about you know, theatre, because, but we have a very nice balance. We're people in our 50s, so we have a balance. We understand that it's got to be a push and pull, and we mm. understand that there's got to be a, a bit of life. So, for instance, yesterday we went to the West End to look at the lights and have that kind Lovely. of Christmas lights and have that. You know, we need to get away from that kind of stuff. And then later on this afternoon, we'll probably be doing publicity and I'll do rehearsals and mm. <laughs> all sorts of stuff. So, Yes, there is, you know, a lot of just theatre, theatre, theatre. But, you know, in, we do break in March as well, where we go into opportunity, use that break. So it's not our relationship isn't just all that, that we can balance that. And I think that's important to do that, to be able to be continuously creative. Yes, absolutely. I, I have points where I ban my partner from talking about work when we're at home. Not all the time, but there are points at which I say, right, okay. Not today. It's not a working well, day. Yeah, it's when those emails come in, the important emails come in at nine o'clock at night. You're like, yes. Ah. 
Yep, yep. This is the and for anyone who who is listening to this who likes theatre but isn't a isn't a, a theatre person sort of work wise, no one will quite understand outside of the world of a nine to five job that people do just send you an email at nine ten o'clock at night and then you think, oh God, do I reply to this now or do I wait for my own working hours or yes, you know, <laughs> it's quite it's quite difficult to have time off, isn't it? It is. It is. It really is. You know, I, as I said, I was in Norway and I was rehearsing Christmas Carol in Norway mm-hmm. and I was rehearsing for eight weeks there, which is a luxury. Yes. Wow. We think, well, my God, wow. But it was a big production. There was a lot of people in it. And then Ian came over and, and, and did costumes actually play. You think, oh, wow, eight weeks. But it's a big it was a bigger production. So it's still name. <laughs> So you still need to have that time to breathe yes. and to say and to reflect. And because it can be a roller coaster that you just keep going on and on and on and on. So you do need to stop and say, where do we want to go now? Or where do you want to go? Or do something separate? Or we're going to continue you know, to meet. Would you like to do a project on your own? Or yep. it's really important to do that, I think. Uh, so uh, we, we, we've talked a little bit about Elephant Song, talked a little bit about On Book. Let's talk more about uh, about you, Jason, as a, as a creative. What is your kind of earliest memory of thinking this is the industry i want to work in this is what i want to do what was the path like for you into where you are now i really like the way you question that because it really has to be this is for you because (laughs) it's the strangest world to be in but the most beautiful world to be in if i look back i think when my godmother's daughter who was directing a local production of Oliver. I didn't have to audition. I understudied Oliver. And I remember doing one rehearsal and, and all the people going, oh. And I absolutely loved that, just doing that little bit of song and that little mm. bit of choreography. And just was like, wow, this is amazing. As a kid, I did lots of local theatre before I went to drama school. And just the fact that, storytelling can be told through text through song through light sound that sort of magic theater i mean you think now we're in pantomime which is pantomime season with the mm. first time a lot of children go to see that magic as i've grown older and i'm doing more sort of as you might say serious plays mm. that childhood experience it still is exists now because i'm still having to check myself and am I telling the story correct so my first child memory would would be that production of Oliver and just that light going oh my god this is it I love that I was also in a production of Oliver as a kid and I think there's something about that musical specifically because it's so child heavy that for for kids you are just like this is magical for what is actually quite quite a quite a grim story at points there's some pretty dark stuff that and that's kind of the spark if you like for you to to continue on so where did you where did you study for drama school I came to London at 16 and went to arts educational in mm-hmm. um, in dear old Chiswick for three years and absolutely adored every second and I squeezed every bit of that that I could through that because it was everything from Oliver to watching fame as a kid to mm-hmm. coming and not not only being around learning but also being around the profession being around you know teachers that were working actors and being around that and starting to learn about that and understand about that so yes that's that's where i had my training and so so where did the where did the move kind of come from from acting more into directing and looking at that side of things where did that love begin well it's interesting i've always found and thought and felt the importance of drama itself i've always thought the importance that's what what, that's what's driving us that's what's 
we need to discover about. And I started directing when someone asked me to put a play on, play it on an Edinburgh festival and to just put it on going to Ireland, just to put it on for them. And, and I just did this. I didn't, wasn't really directing it. I was just putting it on stage. Again, it was, it was a, it was a very interesting play. I can't remember exactly what it was about now, but I do remember it, it was, it was a play that was set um, in a sort of community center where these actors these characters sorry were discussing about their life so it was very much a sort of sitting still play if you like just the foundation of starting to dis- discuss these characters discuss their stories discuss the actors version it just became more and more exciting and more actually this i enjoyed performing uh, i felt the performing or the the learning of theater was a precursor to sitting down confidently and comfortably with a set of actors and discussing and putting forward suggestions to how this story should be told so that's I suppose that's the move that shift and then I was a assistant there used to be a theatre in Hampstead called the New Ends Theatre and I was assistant there for about a year where I was just working with various directors learned a lot about new writing and discovered plays a one draft is not the play um, <laughs> how it shifts and changes and how one word, small word in a sentence can make a difference and, and all that sort of dramaturg development started and, and, and watching characters develop and the, as, I, as I keep going on about story because that's mm. exactly what we're doing, the story developing. There's a question that we always ask on on the stage place, which uh, I, I think you will have some some pretty insightful answers for, so no pressure, but I, I would love to know what your advice would be or, or, or is when people ask you about yeah. getting started in the industry as whether that's as an actor or, or, or a director what what yeah. do you wish that you had been told when you were starting out that perhaps you you had to learn kind of the hard way or by doing it well it's interesting I think uh, when I left drama school a long time ago I left with a diploma obviously drama schools changed to associations with universities so they mm. could survive and I found out that I could convert my diploma to a degree and at that point, I I think I yes I'd started directing, and I paranoid thinking, oh god, you've got all these young kids coming out of Oxbridge or wherever with mm. a degree, and then other directors and blah 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 blah. So I must go and get a degree. So I went and did this conversion, which I actually thoroughly enjoyed. It was a, it was brilliant. I loved it. It was actually going back to my school to start with, but it was a lovely course, and I got my degree and blah 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 blah. And then I realised oh, that's not really important. <laughs> the actual doing it is the thing the doing it being around it you know being a dsm uh, deputy stage manager being an assistant director being in a rehearsal room going to see stuff going to look at direct director's work that you like and then going to something that's completely different that is off the wall that you can experience so doing it being part of it reading being around it i think the best experience to understand it personally i don't think going to a do a degree in directing is the thing <laughs> i actually think doing being on the ground is the yeah. thing because I remember assisting a director who had done that and and the director was very good however the language of actually communicating with actors was not there mm. and that's vital that's vital that's really important and so i think sneaking in <laughs> doing whatever you can <laughs> to be around it is is the thing and and i remember i did 
uh, was a stage manager for a play. I was petrified because as a young kid, I did a couple of shows in the West End. Mm. And then having to actually be a stage manager scared the hell out of me because I was petrified <laughs> I'd get something wrong for somebody. Mm-hmm. But it was a real learning to understand about that side as well. So that as a director, you have to understand that side with when you're working with the deputy stage manager or, or yeah. stage manager or designer or, or anybody, you've got to understand all of it. So doing being around is the best, I think. Uh, also, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because stage managers never... I don't think ever get the praise that they deserve or DSMs or ASMs like that whole, the whole backstage team. It's quite popular on, on theater TikTok now where stage managers and ASMs, DSMs will film themselves doing the work that they do during a show. And it it's giving such a valuable insight that we never normally get to see. Because it's a it's a bloody hard job. It is petrified. It is hard, and 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 you know when you think about big shows, they have a bigger crew, obviously. And if you think about small shows, I mean, for example, uh, you know, if you want to go down to grassroots uh, in God of Carnage and uh, Landscape with Weapon, mm. Ian and I, we were stage management. We were stage management because you know we're not a big big company. We cleaned the sick up in God of Carnage. <laughs> And we keep the food fight at the end of that one in yep. Landscape with Weapons. That's what we had to do. And we were happy to do that. And then obviously in a bigger situation. So for instance, the Elephant Song, I have an assistant director, which is amazing. I can mm. now then have that opportunity to to play off with someone and also relax. I'm not on the book so much, which is which is great. So, has, has that been know. a struggle at all, taking those those steps back as as the company grows, as your work grows and going, oh, actually, I don't have to do that thing anymore. There's someone else to do that. Or are you like, oh, thank God, I can just sit here and do the job that I intended to do? I think sometimes what's interesting is those times when we, we, we're sort of not getting into runs, but we're getting into closer to that. And I direct that doesn't really look at the script after a while. I'm mm-hmm. watching. And so when we're, where are we? I'm like, I've got no idea where we are. <laughs> That's, but what page are we on? I've got no idea. So in those situations, it's really helpful, but that someone is there and then I can totally devote myself to listening and being there for and with the actors. So our, our, our final question, Jason, is is one that we, we ask all our guests. And just like the, the title of the podcast, we'd love to know where your stagey place is. So that could be anything from a, a theatre that you loved as a child, or you, maybe you're, you did your first directing job, or a person, place, or thing that's been inspirational to you. The list is endless. So Jason Moore, well, please do know, reveal to us, it, where is your stagey place? I have many, and that's a problem. When I, with a question like that, it's like, how deep is the ocean? I've written a few things down, and I'm just going to read them off. So Please first do. of all, I came. The first ever show I saw in London was the National Theatre's production of Guys and Dolls. Now, my mum had taken me to London, and we we got to see Guys and Dolls, directed by Richard Eyre on the Olivier, and I got to see this actress who has actually quite passionately inspired me and still does now, and that was Julia McKenzie, this actress-singer who totally was devoted to her craft. And I, when I say devoted, she's retired now, but devoted to her craft as an actor-singer, informer, performer. And I was 12, I think, and totally, you know, my gosh, who's, who, who, who was this, this person? And then, of course, I came home and then she was in sitcoms and that's the world all I could see her and then I came mm. to London at 16 and was when she was in the musical Follies but and I followed and watched her through her career and every single time I thought this is an actor singer 
showing us the soliloquies. So, for instance, there's a song in the musical Follies called Buddy's Eyes, and it, it's a soliloquy. And she just made you feel you were that one, so you're having that mm. conversation with her. So, as a performer, I'll say Miss McKenzie, because I have so much respect for her, was someone in that world totally inspired me. When I saw Rory Kinnear play Hamlet, that was something pretty amazing. You know, yeah. here's this 30-odd-year-old man, slightly balding, doesn't look we'd think is the Prince of Denmark. Mm-hmm. The, again, the soliloquies, which in, it was Nick Heitner's production, I think. I felt in the Olivier Theatre, I was the only person he was talking to. The way he spoke, the way he said, this is my situation. Mm. What am I going to do? He didn't have that, I'm mad, Hamlet. He actually said to you felt that you wanted to help him. Yeah. And his performance as Hamlet was was something I will always treasure. And is an example, I think, to bring that down, be the one, be just that conversation with the audience, especially in the soliloquies. As for directors, Michael Lepage is a huge, he's the way he tells stories is just, I mean, phenomenal. And his productions look huge and, and, and in some ways are huge and they're very filmic sometimes. And they're in three or four languages, uh, usually German, Spanish, English and French, expanding different worlds. <laughs> and then when the actors come and bow, it's eight actors. And you think, how did that just happen? I saw a huge company. And, and so his storytelling, the French Canadian director, is superb. So he's, he's someone I admire as a storyteller. And then Stephen Pimlot, who passed away a while ago now, uh, Stephen Pimlot, he directed Joseph, which I was in at the Palladium. Again, the most generous, uh, it was interesting, there was a, a celebration at the Olivier. And the various people, there was, you know, RSC people, there was opera people, there was musical theatre people, there was, mm. you know, the, all these people that, that he'd worked with came and all crying. And I mean, big directors crying and, and just, just the generosity of him. I sat there and didn't realize until the, we, the people were talking that how much he had influenced me shocked me because the things people were saying I was like oh my gosh that, that I didn't realize how much of an influence and that was just a six-week rehearsal with the man and the last stagey place and this is a real stagey place and is the London Palladium I've done two shows there when I was a youngster. I did the showboat with the Royal Shakespeare Company in Opera North and I did the original cast of Joseph with Jason Donovan and all that nonsense. Palladium, for me, is always felt like a home. Backstage, when you go, as you're about to go on stage left, there is this humongous mirror, huge mirror. I really hope it's still there. And, you know, you look in the mirror, check yourself before you go on stage. And if you think the amount of performers Mm. that have looked in that mirror of the London Palladium over the years is quite an awe. That's the most stagiest I could think of. I mean, that's about the stagiest of the stagiest places that I could imagine in in the best possible way. But but what's interesting, I think, as we've just been talking, is that Mm. even those times as a young performer from Oliver to drama school to performing in the West End to assisting to directing now, it's been through line in some ways the same through line which is you know telling stories and that's the most important and I'm always when I'm working always trying to feel and think from an audience point of view as well because it's going to see it in the end (laughs) yes and if you're invested in it and you can look at it from that external point of view and say actually yes this this story is captivating it does grab me you the passion for that is it, it just becomes all 
so much clearer on stage you can yeah we've all been to see yeah, productions I, where you can tell there isn't passion involved and it makes such a yeah. such a difference that's the best bit of theater for me is just it is like nothing else and in, in a world where you know yeah. we have so many different forms of entertainment now but there is nothing comparable to the magic of theater in that respect I did get a review once where they had that had got that reflect that in the in the in the review that, I, that what I was trying to say and and that is the best compliment. Oh gosh, the the reviewer has understood, so yes. that means the audience hopefully have understood. Absolutely, and 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 things you know, a, a reviewer is nothing else other than an audience member who happens to have a platform Absolutely. to to talk about how they exactly. felt about it. Jason, exactly. this is this has it's been that, such yeah, that, such that. a joy. Thank you so much for coming on oh, and thank talking you. to us. Um, now remind us where, when, how, etc. can we see The Elephant Song? So The Elephant Song, we're on at Park 90, uh, the Park Theatre in Finsbury Park, and we're on from the 18th of January to the 11th of February. The website, uh, go to Park Theatre website for tickets and come and say hello to Ian and I because we'll probably be there maybe doing some stage management um, and where can we where can we get more about uh, about you about on book etc on, on social media where can yes, we find so out more we are on book.co.uk yeah, and also on instagram we do a lot instagram is our sort of platform for information and saying hello so uh, on book theater uh, Instagram as well. That's where, where, where we are. As I say, it's been such a joy, Jason. Uh, really, really looking forward to coming to see uh, the Elephant Song. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Thank you so much. My thanks to Jason there. Uh, that's it for this episode of The Stagey Place. Uh, if you want to find out more about the podcast, we're at The Stagey Place on social media. And if you want to find out more about me, I'm at Suddenly Joseph on all of those various platforms. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>